0: If, if your intention is trying to draw something out of the world or draw something out of yourself or your relationships, and it's simply not going anywhere, there might be something that you're overlooking. And sometimes that feeling of being stuck, that's a horrible feeling. But hopefully, you know, within counseling, you can feel less of that.
1: Is it- From Darkness to Life explores the stories of real people who've navigated their way out of life's toughest situations, emerging with greater strength and resilience. If these stories remind you of your own journey, and you or someone you know need help, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Whenever you're ready to take that next step, reach out to us at ourcollectivejourney.ca.
2: Hey, welcome to another episode of From Darkness to Life. It's Ryan here coming at you from the Plugged In Media Network Studio downtown Medicine Hat. And uh yeah, I just wanna welcome everybody back and let everyone know how much we appreciate all the listeners. There's been some really uh really good feedback from some of the episodes lately, and I just wanna keep thanking everybody for listening and tuning in and and providing that feedback because you know, we can always sit here thinking we're doing some really cool stuff, but uh it's easy to to overlook how important the the listeners are, right? So the feedback that we get from our listeners and and from individuals out there is uh, paramount. So please keep sending that feedback. You can send it through our website, send it uh, through our social media. However, you found us, that's how you can find us again. So uh, and and speaking of that, we new Instagram page specifically for the podcast. So we used to mesh our podcast right into our Collective Journey pages, but. That's been broke out here. New Instagram page, check that out is at FDTL podcast. So, from Darkness to Life podcast, FDTL on Instagram. And with that, we're going to kick this one off right away. Uh, no fooling around today. We got our guest here from Keys to Hope Counseling Services, Ben Coxon, is with us. He's a ecologist. And uh, just want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come down and share some of your experience and your wisdom with our listeners and myself, because Every time I get a, a psychologist in the room, I'm all ears because there's a lot of stuff I like to to be presented that I don't know. So it's cool to have you here today, Ben.
0: Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, for sure, yeah. man. It wasn't long ago that uh, another psychologist sat in that same chair, and from keys to hope, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really cool episode. And I know this will this will be different, but it'll be just as valuable for the listeners because you know we, we're exposed to these spaces where we get to work with our cohorts and, and other professionals all the time. Right. So this kind of becomes second nature and, and the conversations are pretty, pretty fluid within those, those spaces, but people who aren't privy to those, you know, professional spaces every day, don't really know what it's like. Don't know what, what they might be getting into when they see a psychologist or, or any kind of therapist. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's what this is all about is, you know, just shedding some light on that, letting people know that, you know, it's okay to, to reach out and ask for help and it's okay to, have to go, you know, be willing to go to see a psychologist or a therapist, because that's all part of, you know, living a better quality of life. And, and if this can help, I think shed some light on what that process is going to look like and what you bring to the table and what, you know, if somebody comes in to see you, Ben, what, what that might look like Mm -hmm. just to kind of erase some of that, that fear and stigma and the unknown, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. faces that once in a while. I know I sure do. It's like, holy smokes, what is this going to be like? It's, it's terrifying to some people.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, if you, if you have a brain, you have brain health, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, um, it's kind of strange that we can talk about things like bones or muscles and stuff like that and talk about, oh yeah, I broke my bone or sprained something. It's like, okay. Yeah. What, what about, uh, what about how your brain's doing? Right. It's just another, another part of you. Uh, one of the things that I was (laughs) reflecting on earlier this week was something that my mom said that helped me become a lot more comfortable talking to a doctor. Mm -hmm. And it was just my pediatrician uh, growing up and she said, you know, mechanic, right? You know, like you, you flip up the, uh, um, the lid there on, um, on your car and you, you really don't know anything about what's going on underneath. Right. But your mechanic does. Yeah. So. Uh, same thing for a doctor.
2: Absolutely. yeah, yeah I couldn't agree. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And hopefully your doctor's got cleaner hands than my mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And by the way, I am not a doctor. So <laughs> don't have a doctorate. Yeah. No, that's no. right on. Well,
2: so, good. Glad you clarified that. Um, yeah. Why don't you just share a little bit about where you're at? You know, what uh, what a day in the life of Ben looks like, where you're working and how you got oh. to where you are today. And, you know, just kind of help people who are looking at, you know, maybe taking that step to seeing a psychologist or seeing a professional, what that might look like, what that process looks like, just to kind of help the individuals that don't know.
0: Those are big questions. Oh. <laughs> so let's maybe let's start with uh, yeah. how did I get here, totally. I guess, to start with. Um, so going through school, I, I went through the process of, you know, high, high school. I should be a little bit more specific um, through high school. I came to the conclusion that I was not good at school and that was through feedback, through, um, my own observations, through my peers, through teachers. And so I was going to follow the route that everyone else did. And that was very safe. I was planning to become an electrician. Okay. And during that period of time of trying to find a apprenticeship, um, and I, I believe at that time you could also, um, go to school a little bit earlier. Uh, and then do your first year of work afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was going out to every company and uh, that I could get a hold okay. of, and basically just saying, you know, is is there an opportunity here to uh, to to work with you guys or to serve you? And um, yeah, the the oil field was going down, right? Yeah. So I was I it was very 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 difficult to secure um, employment at that time. So then I thought, well, you know what? What should I do? Maybe I should go for a, a diploma mm-hmm. or uh, not a diploma, just a one year certificate in, in school. And um, I did that in leadership. And then I did a two year diploma in leadership. And I thought, okay, that's not too bad. Let's, let's try computer science. Right. And uh, I know that that's a bit of a, bit of a leap, eh? <laughs> right. Um, but I, I tried the computer science route, and it was fantastic. I loved the work. Really, I just didn't really like the work environment, right. Mm-hmm. Where it's, you take a problem and you go away from from the group basically because you're kind of an expert usually in whatever that thing is. You, right. you fix it alone and then you come back with the solution. And um, I realized there really quickly that the way I wanted to, to approach problems was together, nice uh, with people. Yeah, right. And, um, and I think this was first year, um, and I I didn't go much further than that but um just at the beginning someone asked uh when when can we do group projects and he said oh that that doesn't really it gets really complicated and we don't want to do group projects until a little bit later on and i thought you know i need group projects from the start yeah so then i thought to myself well uh, i need to fix some problems you know that's part of my job values uh and i also need to do it collaboratively Mm -hmm. and so straight back to I, I took one counts or one not counseling, one uh intro into psych class and I thought, <clears> you know what? I'll try the psychology route and see what happens. Yeah. So that's part of the process too. Part of the process is meeting people at where they're at, right. And then working with them to try to help them solve our uh their coming to us to work with it's the same problem it won't be processed the same way Mm -hmm. so your grief isn't the same as my grief you know your loss isn't the same as my loss your trauma is not the same even if it is the same it's never the same right so so it all has to be individual
2: yeah 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 it sounds you know when you talk about computer science and going down that path at the start compared to the path you ended up going down very different you know uh outlooks on things right it's computer science very Mm -hmm. black and white the psychology and the the psychologist route and working with individuals like you just said grief and loss and these types of things are different for everybody it's not just black and white anymore right it's
0: no no but i i think that there's uh um there's an element sorry we're going into the computer science part but, right. the, but there's a there's an element of art within programming within code and within writing and within just when you're when you're producing something as a human and a, a lot of people can take a look at um, Maybe a poem or something, mm-hmm. and say, "Yeah, that's art." But uh, there's also a artistic writing in general that gets somehow carried over into um, mathematics or yeah. computer science. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if this would be too popular to romanticize it too much. But uh, you know, when you're talking about romanticizing mathematical equations, but yeah. there, there is an element there of, of uh, human um, curiosity. That's just very interesting, right? Wow. And then, so I think that's one of the things that I, I saw as very helpful to some of the, my peers who did graduate because I, I did drop out of the program. Right. Um, and they, they seem to uh, do really well if they could approach if every problem with some curiosity. I guess that's one of the things I was thinking about last night, Ed, and I was thinking, you know what, um, specifically within couples counseling, it seems to be that the best way to approach any problem is with curiosity because yeah the chance of us understanding the full picture is pretty much, pretty much none. Right. So um, I I guess that's a, that's a side effect or the opportunity within counseling is that you're, you're meeting someone, you really don't know that person. Mm -hmm. So in order to even understand their story, you got to ask questions, right? And pretty basic ones, right? Like, you know, where did you go to school? Did you like it? Yeah. Um, You know, did, did you, uh, growing up, did you grow up a little bit? Uh, faster than the other kids, right? Um, what were your experiences with your grade one type of stuff? And sometimes, um, just by someone reviewing that information, they might see something as relevant. Yeah. And it's 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 through my naivety that I allow someone to see something um, through just communicating their story. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's pretty powerful, right? When when they can communicate their story and have those moments where the things kind of register that maybe they wouldn't have have, you know, went back and noticed in their, in their journey, mm-hmm. just like you were saying, right. What, what's it look like? What was your relationship with your grade one
0: mm-hmm. instructor, yeah, these yeah. types
2: of things, right? Yeah. Cause when you're saying that I'm going back to my grade one instructor, <laughs> right. Yeah. Sitting here right now at this table with you and like, man, that's really cool. And okay. that's, that's a great way to, to not only get, you know, various snapshots of somebody's experience in life, but. Let them share it with you. Is that that powerful piece that they can walk down that lane again and see what these things look like for them?
0: Yeah, people seem to an, like to analyze a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Except except for themselves, yeah. right? And yeah. I've done I've done some people who have um, worked through various uh, types of addictions, and one of the things that seems to pop up more often, and mm-hmm. I know that this is this is stereotyping, but some I'd say it's probably true. Mm-hmm. More often than not, um, is a larger awareness of yourself, right? right. Maybe may too much, right? There's a there's a um, there's a point there where being an expert um, is is a large strength, but any strength taken to an extreme can then become a weakness again, right? right? Because we we think we we know the situation very 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 well, yeah. Um, so there's a there's a sense of humility there of of continuously reapproaching being the learner mm-hmm. within. Even mm-hmm. within your own self, but right. um, out. But I'd say most people they they don't really sit back and really reflect on their life experiences, right? And you know we have a we have a a culture of being mindful, right? And I of of that's what the mental health goal seems to be, right? But I also wonder too about. Um, If our subconscious or conscious mind is trying to pull us back into the past, Mm -hmm. is it because we left something valuable there that we need to bring into the present?
2: Yeah. Well, and that's where I find, you know, always talking from my own experience and then working with other people is that's where a lot of those hidden gems are, right? Hidden in the past. Mm -hmm. Things that we've overlooked for a long Mm -hmm. time. And and what you touched on earlier is, you know, I have no problem listening to you talk about you, but we're not going to talk about me. We're not going to listen to my story. We're not going to dig into my past. And when I started to do that in my own journey and feel comfortable, it wasn't It wasn't overnight. It took a lot of sitting with a therapist and sitting with individuals, right? But once I started being comfortable looking in that rearview mirror and digging into some of those dark corners that I avoided for 30 years, mm-hmm. that's where the work started. That's where the magic, right, the change right, started, right? Right.
0: Yeah, the place where you don't want to go is the place where you could find some liberation. Oh my right? gosh, tons yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 tons of it. It was
2: freeing, right? Yeah, it, it was terrifying freeing. at yeah. the start. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I really like how you frame that. And, and for me, it was starting to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That, mm-hmm. was, that was, I think that was one of the biggest pieces of work I had to do because I had to recognize I don't control all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? and it's like once I open this up, what's it going to lead to? I don't know.
0: Right, right. There's um, there's a confusion technique that I really like, and it's by doing uh, nothing, you are doing something, right? And so that that's kind of that same idea mm-hmm. by losing control, you're sort of gaining control, mm-hmm. right? And it's uh, you're you're gaining control around something else, something different, um, and it it might not be the thing that you're anticipating control over. But it might be something that you need. Yeah, and so that that's very interesting, right? And and that takes a lot of humility.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I would venture to say that a lot of people who are listening to this, right, could probably use a little more humility. Mm. I didn't even know what that word meant prior to yeah doing right? some work right with professionals. I, right. I I thought it had something to do with being weak.
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I I don't know if that's a you know, it, it might be just a real snapshot of where things are at, right? I, I, the first picture that comes into my mind for humility is um, myself lost in the middle of the forest at night in the winter, right? Wow. Like humility is is that that is the reality of how things are, and perhaps that can be okay if I do if I if I allow myself to recognize where I am. Yeah, uh, one of my profs in in <laughs> school. Um, she, she mentioned, uh, analogy that I sometimes use with clients and the analogy is if I were to go to a a mall where I've never been before, and if I need a product, uh, I could probably think of a store that I would need to buy the product from. Okay. So I walk into a mall. I've never been there before. I need to buy some type of product. I know which store I'm going to, but I, I, I've never been to this mall before. The First thing that I should be looking for as I enter the mall doors is probably
2: for me, it's probably the Chinese buffet,
0: but a map. <laughs> yeah, the map, what? right? Yeah, and and uh, nowadays they're all electronic, but in order to know any relevance of where you're going to, you need to know where you are situated presently. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's kind of that humility mm-hmm. that um, at least for myself comes up uh, through that imagery of being in the forest um, at night, right? Mm-hmm. In order to, you know, Um, what's the point of knowing where your freedom is if you don't know where you are?
2: Yeah. How confusing is that? Yeah. Right? When you stop, I never really put too much thought into that until this moment, right? If you don't know exactly where you're at, where do you you start Mm -hmm. to get to where you want to go? Yeah. If you don't know where you are today, right? It's like going, I got to go home after this, but I don't have a clue where I park my car.
0: Hmm.
2: Right? It's like, how am I going to get there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So if you just start walking, Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Might be a long walk. Oh my right? goodness, yes. Yeah, and then people are doing, sometimes they're doing a lot of walking in their lives, right? Because they're the there's a, a struggle to count the cost before going, mm-hmm. right? And that's part of that um, <clears throat> mental health component, right? Is that, uh, do we truly know where where we are? And one of the things that's a little bit more confusing for me um, not confusing because I haven't experienced in general, is when we come to a point where we are at a great spot, why don't we continue to go much further, mm-hmm. right? And they've done tests and studies around that. And we have we know that people will um, work harder to, I don't know if you've heard of this one, but they'll work harder to uh, maintain a certain dollar amount than to gain the exact same dollar amount, right? Mm. So we're... We are very, um, we're, lo- we're looking for opportunities to maintain where we are instead of the opportunities to take us to something new. Mm-hmm. Even if it takes the, even if um, the outcome is just as good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. So it, that, completely confusing, sort of, but yeah.
2: yeah. It's fascinating though. And it's right. And I wonder if that has something to do with the comfortability and knowing what the outcome is. If we, if we strive to maintain where we are today. We know what the outcome is. We know it's mm-hmm. it's comfortable, right? Even if yeah. it's it's negative to our um, our lives, negative consequences to certain behaviors and stuff like that. We know what the outcome is, and we know what we're getting.
0: Yeah, yeah. So but I wonder
2: if that's part of it.
0: Maybe, yeah. That's that's kind of where I mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where my thoughts are. Right? Is that at least um, wherever I go, it very might it could be worse. Yeah and it very well could be for sure um and it could be better right Mm -hmm. but at least if i stay where i'm at then um then there's the potential for it to be predictable yeah lots of people um including myself you know you get into that routine of predictable uh nature right for sure and yeah i'm i'm trying to work on that within myself. You know, sometimes people come to psychologists and they think that they got them, got, got it all figured out oh, and totally. that, that couldn't be uh, further from the truth. And in, in the sense that no, no one has it truly all figured out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess that's something that I'm, I'm trying to figure out for myself. Yeah.
2: yeah. wanna I, I love how I think that's a great example of humility there and, and being open, right. And myself, you know, anybody who, Comes across or even self discloses that they got it all figured out hmm. is a red flag red for me. I'm flag. like, yeah, I yeah, don't know yeah. If We're going to have many more conversations, <laughs> you and know, me, because, yeah, right. It's like you, the destination, I've, I've reached it. I'm at the top and now I'm the expert and I've got, you know, no chinks in my armor. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Everybody has something going on, right? And oh, it, sure. Yeah. It, it's the people that, for me personally, it's the people that are willing to sit down and acknowledge that and start looking at that and having discussions around this stuff. That's the fascinating part for me and what we do today. And, and just on that level is, is what keeps me coming back every day. Right. Mm. It's, it's, I used to live in a world of perfectionism. Nobody wanted anybody to know what was going on behind the curtain. I came from the oil and gas industry many years ago, spent 20 years out there and everybody was the smartest person in the room. Everybody Mm. had the best way to do everything. And if you want to know, just ask me because I have no problem telling you what's the best way to do it? Cause it's my way. Okay. And uh, you know, I grew up in that kind of, in that, in that space. And and now I'm like, no, nobody's got the best of anything, right? It's mm-hmm. everybody's different. And yeah. there's multiple ways to get to the store. Let's just get there. We figure out what, what way works best for you. Right. And it's yeah. not my yeah. way.
0: You back to that mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, your, your way may have been the best way for a very, very long time. Right. For but, a snapshot in time, yeah, that worked yeah, and wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, how's that going for you now? Yeah. <laughs> the dreaded therapist question, right? Oh, that's it's like, how's, how's that working? Yeah. Right. <laughs> tell me more about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: That's so true. That takes me right back to my my schooling and, yeah. and hearing that over and over. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to tell you anymore. That's no, all I got. No. no. <laughs> but it's so productive because once you start opening that that mindset to dig a little deeper and and look a little deeper in the dark corners, right? Tell me more. Mm It's like, Mm -hmm. man, that really started to have some light bulb moments for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that there's a different way to get to that, Mm -hmm. those light bulb moments. Right. And so, uh, I think most people could agree that we have a culture of, um, of, uh, consumption when it comes to media, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about music, um, uh, art, um, two-dimensional three-dimensional art um, and so one of the ideas around that is why why do we find art fascinating and it's a it's something that is pretty much there throughout cultures right and it's um yeah if there's such a if there's such an emphasis on art why right how how is that a per why do we spend so much money on it because it's produ- it is producing something valuable to to us. And I I think about kind of that left brain, right brain problem solving. And sometimes there's um, productive thinking through the abstract. And so I don't, I don't know if you've, you read through the um, um, piece of paper that I I sent you earlier talking about some of the stuff that I I work with, but I do a little bit of work with hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that is?
2: Uh, Not as in depth as what you're, I have my own version of it or okay. what it looks like, okay. but I'm dying. I did read through that sheet and I was like, yeah, I hope we touched on this. Oh
0: yeah. Here, yeah we, here, absolutely. We, here we go. Well,
2: and I um, know, a, sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> I know a lot of people who have brought that up when I'm working with them as a recovery coach, right? And I shouldn't say a lot, but some people have talked about, what does this look like? Hypnotherapy. Yeah. And you know, okay. we look it up because yeah. I'm the first guy to say, I don't know all the answers, <laughs> but I can help you find them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have somebody who has more answers, more in depth than. And i know so yeah this is fascinating
0: so so with the hypnotherapy <laughs> side of things the idea is that you're using a different brain process just like if you're to be painting the just doing a painting or a drawing about your problems right mm-hmm. so um which by the way is an incredibly productive way to work through counseling with with kids uh there's things like uh, play <clears> play therapy uh doing art therapy mm-hmm. narrative therapy um children really work well with that and then part of me thinks you know why why doesn't it work so well with adults and i think sometimes it's a reluctance to yeah. let's <clears> let's <throat> sit down and draw you as a rose bush that's one of my favorite narrative therapy things is just draw draw yourself as a rose bush right and mm-hmm. and you you have to use an abstract lens to do that have some fun play a little yeah. right and so hypnotherapy is a little bit uh the same way you're you are using um a creative part of your mind to solve the problems uh, kind of like that creative unconscious part of your mind yeah. so just for everyone listening out there uh, hypnotherapy is not turning you into a chicken <laughs> it's not making you do anything you don't want to do right because you you say um, hypnosis and most people think of stage hypnosis totally right and so I remember being in my second or third <laughs> year in school and and I had a prof who shared a little bit about hypnotherapy. And I thought, yeah, what's that? And so I saw the training came come up and I thought, you know what? I, I got a little bit of extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to prove this thing wrong. I didn't even know what I was trying to prove wrong. I just <laughs> knew I didn't like it. <laughs> that's, right? Right. <laughs> and I, that's part of that ju- judgmental part that, you know, I, I'm, I think we're all trying to work on, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, it's hard to be open-minded around something when you have a preconceived notion of what it is, is. Hundred percent. and it's even harder to work against something when you have a preconceived <clears throat> notion that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my incorrect you know, it was so. So hypnotherapy is using um, a state of trance, which is which is not a. It's it's not um, something that is magical or anything like that. We can talk about trance if you want for a little bit, but for sure, um, it is using that state of trance and um, training your brain through a more creative lens. And so, when we when I say trance, I I mean uh, lots of people have. Have uh, been on the road on the highway, mm-hmm. and then you just tune out for um, maybe thirty seconds and or more. Right? Yeah, suddenly I'm <laughs> in Bassano. Yeah, su- <laughs> I su- get it. Suddenly arriving in uh, Vancouver, there, um, <laughs> and so y- you tune out of whatever you, you're in at the moment to visit some other idea,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? So there's there's the idea around driving, maybe shower thoughts. Yeah. You know, when you're you're having a shower and you think, well, maybe I should do that. You mm-hmm. know, and um, or maybe an, another example there is staring at a fire or, um, just kind of mentally checking out of the moment to, ch- to check into something else. Mm-hmm. And that checking into something else is usually productive, right? You're exploring <laughs> some type of idea. Um, it's, it's not like you're just falling asleep. Your mind has simply gone somewhere else, but very intentionally. And you are making good use of, uh, of of your curiosity and your imagination. So hypnotherapy is the same thing. Uh, It is getting your body into a very, very relaxed state. And you you don't say anything you don't want to say. Like I said before, you don't do anything you don't want to do. And you don't ever, ever, ever lose control. So the idea there is that you're in a very relaxed state. You're focusing in on something very particular. And perhaps you could argue you're actually gaining more control because you're focusing in... So, um, intently on mm-hmm. the outcomes. So, hypnotherapy is very helpful for sleep, uh, anxiety, um, what else? Uh, I do have a certification focused on working with uh, trauma. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to say right now, for everyone listening, you want to be a little bit careful for the hypnotherapist that you have um, that, that you select because there has been a history of people who have not had enough education around it, Mm -hmm. then it has done more harm than good. Makes sense. So an example around that is that if you go and see someone for anxiety and then you're in trance and you're focusing in on your anxiety and, and you're really just going into that anxiety, but nothing else, you're strengthening that anxiety and you're going to make it worse. So sometimes people have had experiences around that where, you know, they they go into um, this uh, state and they, they the therapist says, "Tell me about the first time you've been traumatized." No, that is completely <laughs> inappropriate. Kaboom! Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, even if you are exploring trauma, there is no way you should be doing that unless you are well prepared to do it safely mm-hmm. and in a way that you can, you can you yourself and the therapist can empathetically <clears throat> witness what happened and right. what's going on right now. Yeah. And also perhaps not being in the situation that is continuing, if it's continuing to cause you trauma as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's great insight because I would imagine there's some listeners out there that have experienced something like that. I know I've worked with some individuals who have experienced similar situations that you just described and how beneficial is that, you know, to anybody out there who's thinking about, well, oh, these are some, pretty big boxes to check before you dive into that.
0: Yeah. Making sure a person has adequate um, uh, training, right. Mm -hmm. And is licensed in some other healthcare um, field. You know, there's some, there's some medical doctors, there's some dentists that use, Oh, it's, uh, I I forgot the third thing that it's good for. It's good for pain for either acute pain or, or chronic pain as, as well. Um, Medical doctors, dentists, um, social Mm -hmm. workers, uh, psychologists such as myself, and mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, it's um, there has been poor training in the past because it's it's seen as kind of a band aid fix for sure, and it it can help you know band aids are helpful, but um, it has to be done in the right way. Yeah, uh, that's all. Absolutely, yeah, yeah,
2: and I, and I would you know almost venture to say any type of therapy, right? It, it's, it has to be done with somebody who's adequately trained. And has to be done in the correct fashion for that individual, right? There's Mm -hmm. so many therapists out there that, you know, and this isn't a, an episode to shit on anybody. Oh my gosh. Everybody is helping everybody the best they can out there, but there are, you know, it's like any other industry. There are some individuals out there that are probably not the best at what they do, but for, for reasons unknown to myself, they think they are and they hundred percent can cause damage quite easily.
0: Right, right. And, and you know, your intentions do matter, mm-hmm. right. But intentions aren't everything. So I was reading a book earlier. I, w- I went camping and I was reading on uh, one hand, I had a parenting book because I want to read it before suggesting it to my clients. And then yeah. on the, um, other hand, I got uh, Dracula. Nice. So my friends are just watching me. Yeah, that's the counselor over there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in the parenting book, it had a good analogy, and the analogy around um, intentions is, um, you know, you'd ask people what makes you a good parent. Mm-hmm. Right? A good lots of people would say a good parent is a parent that loves to, loves their kid, right? And you know, that's perhaps that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. If you went to a surgeon, right, and you're having you're having brain surgery or heart <clears throat> surgery, and you ask the surgeon what makes you a good surgeon, the surgeon just says, "Well, I, I just love my patients. Yeah. You know, it's just my uh, unending love." Uh, you'd say, uh, "Excuse me, where where did you graduate? <laughs> totally. Right? Have for I guess have you done this before? Yeah. You know, before you before you start surgery, have you done this before? And so it's it's not always about just the intention mm-hmm. or the intenseness of love. It's also the presence of skill, Absolutely, right? Yeah. And so I guess that's another thing to help kind of normalize <laughs> therapy for um, for parents or families or or anyone is that, look, you're, if, if your intention is trying to draw something out of the world or draw something out of yourself or your relationships and it's simply not going anywhere, there might be something that you're overlooking. And sometimes that feeling of being stuck that's mm-hmm. a horrible feeling, yeah. but hopefully, you know, within counseling, you can feel less of that. Yeah. Now, um, I'm going to say too, you know, sometimes in the counseling process, you do get to be stuck with your clients. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's a, that's, that's something that you get to work with together. Um, but there's some, there's some times where you, you there's not too much you actually can do about the problem. Right whatever that thing is. Right. But sometimes there is. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's
2: really cool. And, and I love how you brought that up about getting stuck when you're working with the individual. Cause I've been in that position before, over the last few years where, where I'm sitting there with somebody, I'm like, Hmm, now what?
0: Right, right. right. Yeah. And that's, that's a great place to be at because, you know, imagine how, how stuck you feel yeah. working with the individual. Now imagine how stuck they feel. Absolutely. Right. Right. So I, I remember my first, first day on practicum at Keys to Hope. And yeah. before I was working at the, at the school division here for um, just under three years. And before that I was working at uh, uh nurture pregnancy center as a, nice. um, to supporting young families for my previous practicum. So I, I was, I was sitting there and first day I had a client, right. And then I thought this, the, this individual, um, do I tell him it's my first first session ever. Yeah, yeah. I thought, no, 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 that's, that's probably not a good idea. It's <laughs> not a great yeah. icebreaker. And, and it was at the very end of the day, right? So the whole day was just leading up to this. And wow. then I, I mm-hmm. came to a point where I thought, you know what? I don't think I know anything about anything. Yeah. <laughs> like you can ask me how to tie my shoes. I have no clue. Right. Yeah. And that's what anxiety does is it just, it takes it out of you mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like you can't do anything. And so I was, I was explaining this experience of just lots of nervousness, right? I I wasn't even comfortable in our waiting room, right? And And I was now working there with doing my practicum. And my prof, he was just smiling and listening to all this. And he said, you know what? Remember that feeling of nervousness because whatever you felt there, that is what your clients are feeling when they come and see you. Absolutely. Right? They are feeling that same thing or maybe more or maybe slightly less, right? Yeah. But for the most part, remember that. And so I guess that's another thing too, that's interesting about counseling is that you get to, um, co-experience at least to a, a, a small degree, what the person is going through mm-hmm. and just kind of witness what, what's happening. I, I use the analogy as I'm on my own mountaintop <clears throat> over here. You're on your own mountaintop over there. I see you're doing a lot of stuff, but I have no clue what it's like to actually be there. Mm-hmm. I only know what it's like to be over here. Yeah. And, uh, it looks like you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah, That's
2: yeah. fascinating. I love that analogy. And it, it's so true, right? That, that nervousness piece and, and knowing that what I'm experiencing as, you know, sitting on this side of the table, it's likely being experienced on your side as well, whether it's more or less and mm-hmm. never to forget that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it takes a lot of courage to come in and see a therapist or any Helping professional, right?
0: Yeah,
2: and I speak from my own experience. Back in the day, when when it was my you know first or second time going to see a therapist, because mm. I had been brought up in a in a way that therapy was not an issue. It was not an option for me. I'm right, like, that's right. for those people. I right, didn't do right, therapy. Right. right, yeah. And to to overcome that hurdle initially was monumental for me. But then to feel those nerves going in, getting into, and and just not knowing anything about the process, right. Mm. I take that feeling with me now when I meet individuals in my role today, knowing how uncomfortable it was to sit in that chair that first couple of times
0: mm-hmm. and
2: just know what that feeling, like Yeah, for yeah. me, knowing what that mountaintop kind of felt like when I stood over there, their yeah. mountaintop's different than mine right. was back then, right. but I kind of know what it was like for me. And it's, it can be terrifying. So to know that piece,
0: yeah. man, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know how how relevant this this idea would be for most people, but um, job burnout, right? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I wonder what is an indicator that for you um, or me or anyone, um, and this is going to be very personal for, yeah. but what's the first sign that you're not doing well, that you need to take a break and that you need to um, slow things down. And I think that's one of the things that I realized about myself is how much am I willing to participate emotionally within mm-hmm. viewing and kind of co-participating with this yeah. this other individual? And um, I I just feel like the more you know of your indicators of health, the more you can adjust your rest, your and you can you can make your your journey a very very long one. Yeah, and so that's that's one thing that I thought um, should be kind of discussed or explored when we're talking about. Uh, working with people. For sure. Yeah. That's huge.
2: And and that indicator that you were just speaking of, for me personally, it's, it's when I'm not present. I, mm. I start to realize this, that when I'm at work, I'm thinking about stuff at home. When I'm at right, home sitting right. with my wife, I'm thinking about what I didn't do at work today. It's like, yeah. I'm always bouncing around yeah. and not in the moment where I'm yeah. at. And that's, for me, that's an indicator that you know, if something's not right in my mental game, you know, this burnout right. is starting.
0: Right. Yeah. And then it's, um, and it's going to be different for everyone. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's, you start, uh, missing the gym, maybe yeah. it's substance use, maybe it's, uh, withdrawing from relationships, maybe it's, um, maybe it's actually, uh, increase in your productivity yeah. so that that's an interesting thing as <laughs> well. Right. Because sometimes people say, well, you know, it, it's been a good thing. Okay. But how long is it going to be a good thing for? For sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe the six months you've been at work for 90 hours a week, but, um, you know, what's mm-hmm. going to happen and fire to stay consistently at that point. Yeah. 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 So, and I think that you can't ever have too much information about that, right? Just, um, and that probably will change over your lifetime too. For sure. So what what are the, the ways and um, things that you can notice within yourself? that are, that's an indicator that things are not okay. Yeah. And that's going to change based on work, on relationships. And a lot of people don't tend to pay attention until things get really bad.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Right. When, when, when all the, the smoke alarms are going off in the house, that's when we know that things are going bad. Right. But there's a lot of indicators leading up to those things.
0: Yeah. Like maybe paying attention to the smoke. Yeah. Right. right. So, so if my smoke is just, okay, I've, I'm feeling emotionally, uh, you know, kind of kind of on, on the line right now, it's like, okay, let's, let's plan a vacation. Let's do something. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's really clean the house. Let's, I don't know, let's do something that is completely different. And then, um, and then you don't have all the smoke alarms going off. For sure. When I, and that piece
2: around, you know, it might work now for the next six months or whatever, but what's it going to look like in five years Mm -hmm. for me going back thinking, you know, I always go back to my first year of recovery, right? What, what was working for me then, which was working really well has changed over the last eight, nine years, right? Those things, um, aren't the indicators anymore because I've dealt with a lot of those issues. I've dealt with a lot of those, those processes in my life and found ways to, to navigate them and then I've moved on. It's always replacing something with something else, right? It's like this next mm-hmm. level of of self care and and um, reflection on myself. What is that going to look like in year two, in year three? And everything has always changed. And what's working for me today would have been so foreign to me in year one. It didn't. Mm, it didn't yeah, yeah. C- compute back then, right? But that's the same in five years from now, what's working today probably isn't going to continue working, not every piece. So I got to keep figuring this out as we move along. And this, I think that's all part of this self-reflection and being present that we've kind of been talking about this episode is we're never really quite got it figured out.
0: No, no, no. (laughs) Right back to the start. Yeah. There's, um, there's something called a hypnotic regression. And so what that is, is you, you write down a pattern or belief that is, see, it seems to be a cycle, right? And so, um, It's something that you want to explore and and Mm -hmm. sometimes people need some counseling and stuff before to prep for, I'm going to say 90% or 99% of the time, people actually do need some, some counseling and stuff just to prep to kind of witness what this is. And then, so you write down, write down that thought or that belief, maybe I'll, I'll, I will, um, I'll, no one will ever like me, Mm -hmm. right? So you write down, no one will ever like me. And then, uh, hypnotic regression is going into the past to an event that is somehow associated to that pattern. And uh, a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to, I'm going back to that. I don't want to go back to my trauma. And the interesting thing is that it is almost always a helpful memory. And it's very rarely that you would ever uh, witness the trauma side of things. And if you do, it seems that people who, who experience that, which is probably less than 5%, um, end up, um, being able to work through it in a different way. So hypnotic regression is going back in your mind in the past to explore something that is somehow linked to this. So I'll, I'll show you an, an example with you guys. Um, I was, um, my instructor said that we had to do this. And so I thought, you know, I I don't really know what I should prepare myself for right. what, what message. <clears throat> and she said, well, it just has to be something that is related to your, uh, confidence within counseling um, and you can pick hypnotherapy. You could pick individuals, children, working with youth, whatever, working mm-hmm. with the parents, whatever. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick couples therapy um, and really just kind of investigate that and see what's, what's up. So um, I found this loop uh, within couples therapy and, and I explored it back and, I came to two memories and one of them was I I was playing with Lego in my bedroom growing up and I found a marble amongst my Lego collection. Right, And then I kind of asked myself, well, what's with the marble? Why is that so important? And it was that it was my lucky marble. Well, what makes it lucky? Well, the fact that it's there is the fact that it's lucky, right? You know, nothing in particular, there's nothing about it, but it is luck. And then... Uh, The second part of that too is I remember my dad taking um, half of my training wheels off when I was younger. And I realized that in order to ride the bike, I needed to lean on the side that did have the training wheels until I got up to speed. And then I could just go, uh, go normally. And so those two things are very helpful because it was the idea of um, I need a little bit of luck and trust in the process, Mm -hmm. but also to lean on the stuff that I have right so if i have training lean on it yeah. if i have coworkers that have good ideas lean on them if i have you know I, uh, we have the internet last night i was going through uh, different trainings that that are just options um and some of them are very expensive some of them not so much the, there's lots of books out there yeah. in a library um so l- really leaning on the stuff that i have access to already and then just doing that to allow it the process to kind of flow Mm -hmm. and that really helped. So that's the regression part of things is that you're exploring something that you already have experience with. And, um, what is that helpful thing in the past that's going to help you in the present? So lots of, lots of mindfulness in the present, but you're going back into the past and, um, there's a future progression that is involved with that too. So how do I bring those things into the future? Mm-hmm. So how do I how do I bring that luck, that reliance on, and when I mean luck, I mean of course not actually just using luck to do counseling. Right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> leaning on you know the fact that the, I've I've got experience and I've got sure. I've got training. But how do I bring those things into the future and actually make them kind of manifest throughout every single day? Yeah. And part of that is um, a progression into the next year. So if if this pattern has changed and adjusted, what is the evidence in a year that things will be better? Mm-hmm. And that's something to really kind of reflect on. And how would that feel? Really internalizing that in your body. How would that feel if that um, if that message was truly disrupted yeah. in a way that would be slightly better or even. You know, healed or 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 wherever, wherever you get. Wow. So yeah, very interesting. I found that super helpful within hypnotherapy. Totally. And by the way, with hypnotherapy, I don't know if I said this. This is all placebo. Yeah. So no, you didn't mention that. <laughs> okay. So yeah. it, it is all placebo. You are using, um, you're using that part of your brain that is susceptible to placebo, mm-hmm. but you're doing it willingly. And you know, uh, there's studies that have come out that have, have shown that uh, placebo for. Uh, pain medication can be as helpful as pain medication. Now, I'm sure that there's going to be some thresholds there, and I'm sure that's not going to be forever. You can hijack that placebo to help your confidence with Mm test-taking. Perhaps you have a licensing exam or a final exam, right? Um, I remember uh, one of my family members, um, she was talking about working as a, a camp counselor, and she would give Tic Tacs to kids if they said that they were homesick. Wow. She would say that they're homesick pills and yeah. it'd make the homesickness go away, yeah, right? And yeah. it's like, well, it's just a tic-tac, you know, but uh, why would you care, you know, if a placebo gets rid of your headache, gets rid of your homesickness, improves your confidence, improves your quality of life yeah. uh, because, you know, we're the placebo is going to be there either yeah. way, might as well try to learn how to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How beneficial is that? It's very odd when you think about it, right? It's just, it's the power of your mind. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's a powerful thing out there, right? Is our mind. And uh, I can't speak for everyone, but I neglected the connection between the mind and the body for so long.
0: Oh yeah. right, Yeah. yeah.
2: I just sat with an individual yesterday and we talked about that, the connection between the mind and the body and, and what a light bulb moment that was for me, you know, a number of years ago when, when that was explained to me that the body keeps score and how our mental health is connected Mm -hmm. to our physical health and how our, our childhood experiences are, are all formulating what that looks like today and i'm like holy smokes i didn't yeah, know yeah. any of that growing and so, up
0: and so the idea there is if your body through traumatic experiences or if if your if your body is impacted by traumatic experiences why can't your mind impact your body mm-hmm your your physical health now yeah. that's not saying that hypnotherapy or placebo is going to change everything but w- you know what if it starts starts your ability to eat slightly healthier or be able to have a little bit more motivation yeah uh, and then it creates this uh fortunate helpful self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. instead of the normally we think of self-fulfilling prophecies as a, as a negative thing mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely we do. but uh why why can't it be a good one Oh man, that's wild!
2: <laughs> I have a lot to process after yeah, this episode. It was, yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. And, and it's just so enlightening to hear this kind of conversation because you know, unless unless you happen to be fortunate in, in, enough to to have a group of psychologists as friends, you uh, know, which but, I do, yeah, <laughs> which you do, right? It, it's most norm, you know, everyday. Joe yeah, public yeah. aren't exposed to this kind of conversation or this. It's no. fascinating.
0: I was talking to Chris and we've, we've made it a joke <laughs> that we, we should just do a podcast for every single one of our lunches. Absolutely. It, it's yeah. Because you got to talk about some pretty, pretty interesting stuff, right? It's fascinating. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and I'm sure there's people out there that are like this, Ryan's fascinated by this stuff. That's right. wild to me, but it is, it's super fascinating yeah. because it's, it's all part of this, uh, this holistic approach to living a better quality of life for me mm-hmm. and, and just to understand that all these other options are out there that, you know, I've taken part in some of them, some of them I haven't, some of them are foreign to me, but just to be open-minded enough to start looking at some of this other stuff, because like I said before, right, I thought I knew it was best for me growing up and mm-hmm. I sure was wrong there. So right. being open-minded to trying these other, these other helpful, helpful things that are brought my way. fascinating
0: with how we grow up it's really interesting because um sometimes we have a um resistance to the normal Mm -hmm. right like what what's the normal the normal's waking up and eating breakfast yeah right (laughs) some people don't do that right it's like well why would i need to do that that's i i can get by without or the normal might be you know going for a walk or going i don't know um going to watch a movie or or something like actually going out and yeah. And, and some of those, some of those more normal, not, um, things that aren't quite flashy or, or, um, spectacular, those can be really, really, uh, true indicators of mental and physical, right? It's like, well, you know, I should just, I should do this, but you know, it's, it's so small. It's, it's, it doesn't really matter. yeah I was, um, I was thinking about, uh, purchasing ones, right. And I, cause I walk around and, uh, if I have a bit of a lunch break, I might, might walk around the office and, uh, outside. And I thought, well, I can only really listen to about, um, five or six minutes a day. Right. So maybe it's not worth it. So five or six minutes a day. And then, so, okay. Five or six minutes a day, five days a week, that's half an hour a week. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, um, what's that 20, 26 hours a year. Yep. Yeah. So, so those, those five or six minute things, right. That adds up to over a day, 24 hour day, um, worth of stuff, right. Over a year, 26 hours worth of music is a lot of music. Mm -hmm. Right. And when we talk about, sometimes it is just a tiny, tiny, tiny thing. Yeah. Right. So within hypnotherapy, it's not like I just snap my fingers and I make the client do anything um, all hypnosis is self hypnosis. So what that means is that at the end of our session, we actually record the hypnotherapy side of things. And then at the end of the session, the client goes home and does their thing and stuff like that. And, um, the next day, um, they're, they're listening to the recording that we've previously made. And then they're, they're doing it again, trying it again. Yes. And so whenever I'm doing any hypnotherapy interventions, cause I've had to have them with my training, um, I don't allow myself to actually participate the first time. I, I'm I'm a bit resistant. I want to just kind of see out, yeah. and then because it's recorded, then you can practice it again and again and again. And then the idea there, um, especially around medical interventions like uh, hypno birthing mm-hmm. um, or or um, going in test taking. That's another big one too. The idea there is that you keep practicing it over and over and over again. And then by the time you actually have to show up and do your thing, it becomes an automatic process. Yeah, yeah, makes total sense. It, but it takes a lot of prep, right? For sure. So For when sure. we're when we're talking about oh, it's only a ten minute uh, hypnosis, which is actually quite quick, uh, because they can go from they can go from ten minutes or even five minutes to about three hours, uh, which is quite a long time. But there's a time distortion thing which makes you feel like it's only about half an hour. Yeah. Um, just kind of like when you're scrolling on your phone and it's been three hours, but yeah. it feels like 20 minutes, <laughs> yeah. same exact same feeling. Right. Um, but if you, you're doing it 10 minutes a day, okay. By the time the thing comes around, whatever you're preparing for, mm-hmm. um, now you're ready. And yeah. I don't know if you've, uh, looked into this, but there's <coughs> been some, uh, hypnotherapy, maybe not hypnotherapy, but hypnosis related to, uh, fighting, um, like martial arts, okay, uh, MMA. Like I should like,
2: look into this. Yeah, yeah, yet.
0: yeah. Because the idea there is that you, if you hit, you can't think of what you're going to do next. Your body and your mind need to be aligned to know what to do, mm-hmm. right? And so if you are in your fight, flight, or freeze response, you, you need to be able to just, in one fluid movement, move to what you need to do, yeah. right? And perhaps the movement that you need to do within sports is just to move backwards or bring up your arms. Mm-hmm. Or do, and, and, um, so, okay. Now, what do you need to do within movement or within your mind or your body when you come into those experiences with anxiety? Okay. So you just, you know, you sit down, you're writing your test. You got these feelings that are coming up for you. Now what? Yeah. Right. And a lot of times people just, um, if they're stuck, truly stuck, they'll go into freeze. Right. Or maybe some flight, right? I, um, And with tests, you know, perhaps your leg starts moving, hands start fidgeting, and really trying to activate those flight responses as much as they can, right? But you're stuck there. So, Mm -hmm. now what? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man, that makes total sense, because I've been training for some kickboxing here over the last six months, and that's a piece that I've really started to work on over the, you know, the first three or four months was that, okay, Mike Tyson says it best. Everyone's got a plan until you're punched in the face. Right. And when you do get something landed on you, whether it's a punch or a kick, a lot of times that freeze. Yeah. Pops up right away. It's like, holy smokes. Now I'm frozen because I just got tagged and now I'm getting tagged three more times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, I could see how, what you're talking about is beneficial to that, whatever it is, whether it's in kickboxing, it's taking a test, whatever it is, right? The more you do that and the more that becomes, you know, that second nature, that response. When this happens, boom, instantly Mm -hmm. I'm going Mm -hmm. into this. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge.
0: You know what's really interesting about that is it's kind of aligning the conscious mind with the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And you know what is also very good? With lining the conscious mind with the unconscious mind is is culture. We talked a little bit before about injury, yeah. right? So, um, one of the things that's interesting to explore with people when we're talking about grief and loss is what do what did your family do? And this is this is a fantastic and fascinating um, topic. What did your family do growing up? When there is grief and loss, when someone passed away, so drink, (laughs) drink. Okay. (laughs) So you're there watching everyone drinking and you're six years old and Mm -hmm. you're thinking, okay, this is how to cope. This is what I do. This is my normal thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, um, if I do not have access to that tool that is ingrained in me to support myself now, what? Yeah. Right now, I am truly abandoned. Now, I, I've, I've felt abandoned through the death. I'm going to feel abandoned again when I'm not able to access that resource that was so helpful for not just me, but it's socially proven to me. You know, as a six year old watching my family go through this, yeah, and uh, you get to really ingrain a multicultural approach to this too. Right? So, that's a question that you can ask anyone from anywhere around the world. Okay, so if someone passes away, what, what do you do? If I were, if I were in your shoes, mm-hmm. um, what types of ceremonies would there be? Um, would there be a funeral? How do you treat the family? What is there any gifts? Is yeah. there any, is there food? Is there, you know, um, is there a financial aspect? It's very strange to yeah. look at that. And that's where I, I wish I had a little bit more uh, anthropology courses to really investigate that.
2: That's fascinating stuff, man. And it's so true. Like I look at that piece that you were just discussing, right? What is culturally acceptable? What is socially acceptable when this circumstance happens and, and how that changes for everybody. And just to understand where that person is coming from. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: Yeah. You know, it is hard to have different perspectives on than other people. Um, even no matter how open-minded you are because you you only see the perspective of yourself mm-hmm. right and then the only ability that you have to get uh, other perspectives is to have genuine curiosity and and uh, ask questions right yeah. and the nice thing about asking questions is you don't need to have an answer prepped yeah. right that's one of the indicators that someone's actually listening to you is that you're you're not met with a response right after you've asked the question for sure or right after they've asked the question. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, for me, when I, I have a lot of experience with a few individuals that have those prepped answers or prepped questions, Right, right. it's almost to the point where they're not really listening. They, they throw something out there. They're not really listening to respond, right? They're, mm-hmm. they've already got their answer prepped mm-hmm. and it's just such a one-sided conversation that for me feels so ingenuine that, you know, five minutes into it. I don't even want to be into it anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Cause you know, you're not being listened to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So the person might be able to have that conversation with you there or not. Or not. Yeah. Within <laughs> counseling, you know, believe it or not, I do, I do like to use uh, silence, uh, within mm-hmm. counseling. I, I sure haven't used silence today. <laughs> I'm like, here <laughs> we go. We For, either have. Yeah. First, first thing. Yeah. Let's, let's talk. Um, but uh, I do like to use silence within counseling because there there's a there's an expectation on people. Um, I, I don't know if it's how people talk on YouTube or Facebook or TikTok or anything like that, but I, I think there's an expectation for people to increase the cadence of their speech and increase the speed and mm. how they produce ideas. Um, and many people, uh, have great ideas but struggle to verbally get it out, right? And then so in order to uh, withdraw an idea from your mind, it might take some time to process. Yeah. And sometimes it's it, it's a great opportunity to slow down the session, to actually say nothing and allow that person the opportunity to really reflect on what they're about to say or, or, or expand on. Usually it's expanding on an idea. Yeah and allow themselves to pull something out of themselves that is um, a bit more genuine. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the pieces, you know, we really stress when we're doing recovery coaching is, is letting that, you know, that awkward silence continue Mm -hmm. for a while. A lot of magic happens in that silent space. Mm -hmm. Not so much, you know, for me, but for the individual I'm sitting with, letting them process, a lot of people process differently. And I, I find that, Working with you know different members of our staff and other people in the community, there's you know people are coming to see us. We're we're deemed the the professional or we're the therapist or whatever, right? Um, a lot of people that I work with feel the need to fill those silent spaces because they're supposed to be on this side of the table. They should have the answers. They should you know have the the tools to help this individual. So they're not coming to see me to sit in silence. So I better fill this space and say something. I I, I need to be, I need to sound smart or something. Right? right. Right. And, and for me, it's the opposite. It's like, no, let's just sit in this for a bit. Cause it's kind of neat what's yeah. happening here. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating.
0: Um, I, I was taught a little bit different from other counselors in the past. And when, mm-hmm. when I talk about the past, <coughs> I talk about, you know, probably since the 1900s. Yeah. Uh, and, and um, with, with counseling, school today you're you're taught pay absolute attention to the client attention to the kind of like the energy or that relationship between your client and you Mm -hmm. because that is also a separate entity from the client because that that connection that's like a bridge um and um also pay attention to yourself because if if you are trying to fill in that gap or trying to um if you're if you're getting retriggered from something that has happened to you, um, then you need to navigate that internally so that you you're not taking up the client's space or right. or or, a, or a session. And a lot of the times when we were talking about um, counseling in the past, we could go all the way back to kind of Freud and uh, during during early psychotherapy, uh, it was mostly focused kind of on that relationship between you and the counselor as kind of something that can be um, something that can be implemented to change that individual. So the, so the individual, they mattered, the counselor Mm -hmm. and the individual's relationship, they mattered. Well, what about the counselor? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) And I love how you reframe that into talking about, you know, taking up the client's space. By by filling that void all the time, right? Yeah, 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 they're not. Yeah, that's the. I, I really haven't heard it put that way before, and it's it's fascinating because it's so true, right? The more I talk, the more I'm taking up time for you to process things and and do that work on your own. Huge.
0: One of the best listeners I know of. Um, she's not a she's not a counselor. Um, she could be definitely <laughs> yeah. uh, best listener I, I know of. Uh, She just asks questions yeah, and then lots and lots and lots of time. And then she will uh, take some time to actually think about what you've said before giving a response. And uh, she just says some of the most wise things uh, that I've heard. Yeah. Right. And and then you get to build a real human connection if you speak like that. And if you ask questions like that, because it shows to the other person that you, what, what your intentions are. First of all, intentions are to listen to the other person right. and understand. Um, but it also allows that, allows yourself and that other person to build something that's worthwhile,
1: mm. not
0: just something quick, yeah. right? We're in the day and age of just quick conversation. Oh my gosh, for sure. Right. And that's why I think the <clears throat> podcast thing actually works is because it's the, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah.
2: Dude. I can't believe how fast that went. I could go for another <laughs> couple hours.
0: <laughs> I, I I do have to put on a timer for working with my clients or else we will be going over time. Well, and
2: it, it yeah. comes through um, in your passion. I think you're passionate about what you do. And you're invested, right? It's it's being present and invested and you can tell that you're passionate about it. And thank you. I think you chose the right field over computer science, man. <laughs> oh, I, <Matt. laughs> yo,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Every day I'm waking up and I'm thinking, thank goodness, I am not just staring at a computer screen doing oh, math. Wow. Every single day. Yeah. yeah. For sure.
2: Well, and like you said, you could talk for hours. I know I can too. So I think that just green lights another episode to have you back <laughs> at some point in the future. And okay. We'll, we'll yeah. see what kind of rabbit okay. hole we can dig into. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Well, I really appreciate, like I said at the start, you taking time out because I know you guys are busy. All, all the employees up there, you guys are busy at Keys and we'll put some uh, put some links in the footnotes to Keys to Hope and how anybody can get in touch with you, Ben. and and
0: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, man. If I if I may say something, if totally. anyone has uh, questions, I don't. I might regret this later on, but if anyone has some questions around uh, hypnotherapy, um, I'm I might I did host the information night uh, recently, but I might look into doing that again depending okay. on. Um, but I, I do fifteen minute phone consults just over the phone, talking nice. to people. You know, seeing, um, giving them a little bit more information. A lot of other psychologists do that as well. So when we, when we talk about reaching out for help, um, sometimes you can, you can just contact your counselor or psychologist and say, um, I don't want a session yet, but, uh, can you talk to me for maybe five or 10 minutes just to see. For sure. Yeah. Um,
2: Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And how helpful is that for any individual that we've talked about today that might be thinking about going down that path, but they have A, B, C and D questions, right. Or that fear. yeah, Yeah. 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 That's cool that you guys offer that. Yeah. Sweet. But well, oh. yeah, if you do decide to, you know, that you are going to do another session like that, let us know and we'll push it out on our social sure. media for any listeners right. who might want to contact Ben and see sure. what this is all about. Sure. All right. Awesome, good. man. Well, thanks again. And uh, with that, it wraps up another episode of From Darkness to Life. Um, check us out on our new Instagram page at FDTL Podcast. Um, shout out to, well our good buddy, Dave, who, who works the magic behind the curtain here and, and helps bring this podcast to the listeners. And, uh, without the wizard back there, this would just sound like me in my closet at home. So this is kind of cool to have a studio to use. Um, I want to thank Ben again from keys to hope counseling services here in medicine hat, Alberta. And, uh, I guess we'll check in and see you guys next week. Thanks, Ben.
0: All right. Thank you. Right on.
1: From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the real stories of people who've triumphed over the many challenges of life's journey. If you or a loved one needs support, please reach out to ourcollectivejourney.ca. Our commitment is to empower you to build resilience as you journey towards recovery. Consider showing your support by donating online at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pate. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Crookshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive.